Lord, just pour out your spirit on Jacob. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. That was really nice. <laughs> so what I'd like to do is just ask the families to uh, affirm with an I do, um, or we will, or whatever you feel comfortable with. Um, I'm going to read just a, a few commitments that we want to make. Is your intention as parents to present your children to the Lord today, to pledge to bring them up in training and instruction of the Lord? If it is, then we want you to answer, uh, we do, to each of the following promises. Recognizing that your child is a gift, is it your desire to dedicate your child to the Lord? Will you commit to raising your child in the Christian faith? Will you model a life of faith in Jesus, seeking after him and in your own life and in your marriage and in your family? Will you commit to praying for and praying with your child? And will you do all you can to direct your child towards a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as their Savior? And what I'd like you to do is stand up with me as a way of showing affirmation. And we're going to pray for the families, but the truth of the matter is we modeled the faith as well. And it's a commitment to you to say that we're going to stand behind these families to help to raise these young people in the faith. So, Lord, we do just uh, stand together and pray a blessing over these families, pray a blessing over these uh, young people. We ask, Lord, that you would just bless these children, that you would help them to become uh, men and women of faith, that they would have great impact in the kingdom, that you would show us as a body how to support these families, how to support these kids, how to be a community that's just walking out our faith with you and having an influence on these kids. Thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for a chance for us to uh, dedicate these children. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we have something a little bit different before they head off the stage. Tony's going to come up. Um, but this family is going through something a little bit different. Vincent, right? Vincent is going into the military this week. So, uh, yeah, I've asked Tony to come up, and we just want to pray a prayer of blessing and commissioning of him. I can't imagine the emotions uh, that you guys must be going through, dedicating a baby and sending one off to the military in the same week. Uh, that's a lot to handle. Guys, if you want to actually come in and stand around Vincent, that would be awesome. And uh, Tony's just going to pray a word of blessing over Vincent. Lord, we thank you for Vincent. We thank you for a life that could become totally consecrated to you. Yes, Lord. That could be totally committed to you as he serves in our armed services. As he becomes salt and light to a lost world. To those young men and women that are laying their life on the, on the line. That they're saying they're all in. We pray for Vincent that not only will he be physically and emotionally and mentally all in. It spiritually, Lord. Yes, Lord. That your spirit would fill him and direct him and empower him, that he would be salt and light to our armed services. And Lord, that you would be with him always. And in his deepest and darkest hours, that he would know your words Vincent, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you always. Lord, bless Vincent. Guide him and direct him. May his heart become purified and whole. May he be totally dedicated to you, to our country, to his family, and to his comrades in arms. Bless him and watch over him, Lord. In Christ's name we ask this. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take that back if you don't mind. Thank you, guys.
Hey, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, my name is Doug. I serve here as one of the pastors, if you were wondering why I was up here talking to all these kids. Um, I want to just give you a few announcements before uh, we, we release the uh, Roots Kids. The, uh, in two weeks, on the 26th, we have something called the Listening Room. And we did the Listening Room pretty consistently. We haven't done them for a while. But the idea of the Listening Room is a, is a little bit quieter experience where we get a chance to uh, ask some questions of God and listen to God. And we're going to specifically... Uh, ask God about healing. If there's areas of our lives where we need uh, spiritual, emotional, physical healing, and we're just going to ask the Spirit of God to uh, hover over this place as we uh, have an evening where we talk about and experience uh, God's healing touch. So that happens on Sunday evening, the 26th. I would encourage you to be here. It will be a, a great night. I also want to just remind you that a half hour before each service, we meet right here in the sanctuary and we pray for what's going to happen that day. And I would love for you to begin to just come that half hour early. So we get in here at 8.30, we pray for 15 minutes, then you can go get your coffee or your bagel or whatever you need, visit for a minute and come back into worship. But it's a great way to just... Uh, Exhale a little bit and prepare your own heart. So what I've been saying is it prepares us for worship, but it also prepares the church for worship too. So it's just a great thing for you to be a part of. Uh, love for you to just uh, get into your bulletin, read, see if there's anything else that you need to plug into to be a part of uh, what we're doing at Grace. But at this moment, I'd love for you to stand up and welcome somebody to Grace. For those, uh, good morning. Good morning. For any kids that are still here, I, I just want to dismiss you to go hang out with the Roots folks downstairs. And it reaches to the highest mountain. Anybody know that? And it flows to the low with valley the blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never lose its power and it reaches to the highest mountain, hallelujah, and it flows to the lowest valley, the blood that gives me strength from day Today, it will never lose. It will never lose. It will never, it will never lose. 
It will never lose its power. Hallelujah. We still believe in the blood. It still washes and cleanses and redeems. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Norflet, and uh, I'm one of the pastors on the staff. And I'm so glad out of all the places that you could have chosen to worship this morning, you decided to worship with us. All the places you decided to stream online, you decided to stream with us. We are so grateful that you are here with us this morning and fellowshipping with us. And uh, we're going to continue the, the One series and we're just going to get right into it. Is that okay? If you can open up your Bibles to 1 John chapter 1. We're going to read the scriptures and then we're going to pray. 1 John chapter 1. Verses 8 through 10. And then 1 John chapter 2, 1 and 2. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We're going to move over to chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day. This is the day that you've made, and Lord, we celebrate you, we bless you, we magnify your name. God, you're worthy of worship and praise to be exalted, to be lifted up. And Lord, we invite you in these moments, God, that you would speak to us, God. You said the entrance of thy word brings light and makes wise the simple. So God, bring us wisdom today, I pray, God. God, I pray that you would pour out a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of your son, Jesus, God, that you would open up the book, God, that you would, uh, you would speak to us, God, that there would be a prophetic flow, Lord, God, that you would declare and that you would manifest your kingdom in our midst. God, I pray that I would decrease and that you would explode. That your anointing would destroy every yoke and every bondage. God, you prepared a heart for message and a message for heart. And God, that you would do only what you can do. That today you give sight to the blind. You cause the deaf to hear, the mute to sing, the lame to dance. God, uh, that you would even raise the dead. God, we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Well, those of you that uh, uh, experienced this past Michigan winter would uh, say it was a pretty rough one, wouldn't you? It was pretty kind of jacked up. I mean, I was so tired of snow, y'all. I'm like, oh, my goodness, more snow. And I remember one night that uh, I was coming home, taking from, I picked up the kids, and we were coming home late from a basketball game or something. They were like, hey, can we go over to our relative's house? And I said, sure. And so I drive over there and, you know, Every city, every street in the city is not always plowed. I don't know if you guys know that. 
And so I call myself, okay, I, I, I make the turn and I get it and I'm like, oh my gosh, so it's, it's so bad that you can actually see the tracks of the tires to go through and it's kind of high and I'm driving and all of a sudden I slip over and I fall into a ditch of ice. And I put the car in reverse and I try to back out and, and I'm still stuck and as you know, it's real wheel drive and you know, you're real wheel, you just can't do a whole lot with that. You're just kind of stuck. And I said, oh man, I'm stuck. Hey, believe it, I'm a block away from where we're trying to go. I called AAA, and it's a half an hour before they even, you know, and they never answer it. So I'm like, okay, if you know anything about me, maybe you don't. I'm, I can be re- really impatient. I can be really, really impatient. In fact, one of the reasons why I cut my own hair is because I don't like to go and wait at the barbershop. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just, you know, telling the truth. I mean, when I was a kid, if I would catch a bus and it was late, I would start walking toward my destination. I just don't like to wait like that. And so, okay, the phone is still, I'm like, ah, this, is, this is nuts. So I call my wife, hey, babe, well, I tell you what, we can't get AAA. Can you come bring the other car around and you can, like, push me from the back to get out of this? Because, you know, I'm impatient. And so she's pushing me out the back and, not, and nothing works. And all of a sudden, I call my brother. I say, hey, can you get your bigger van and push me from the back? I call AAA. They're still not answering. I'm tripping. So, you know, the kind of guy that I am, I have a sledgehammer in the back of my car. So I'm out in the back trying to break the ice with a sledgehammer. I, I, I know, God, just pray for me. <laughs> Nothing's happening. And then I go back and get my SUV again and try to do it again, and I get both cars stuck. Yeah. <laughs> you got say, he's a genius, right? And it's just pretty jacked up. I'm working, I'm working, working. I get the one car out. The other one is still stuck. I call AAA. And I just said, okay, I just have to wait. It's about a 40-minute wait for them to answer the phone. An hour and a half wait before they actually got there. And here we are stuck. They finally get there, and the guy puts me on the truck, and he moves me about 50 feet, lets me out, and I can drive. Isn't that amazing, right? And as soon as he let me go, Somebody else was stuck in the spot I was in. But it's amazing that sometimes we go and we look for help, and the help is not sufficient. We try to do things on our own, and in our, of ourselves, our own help is not sufficient. Well, I don't know if you guys have ever had those moments you tried to help yourself out and it didn't really work. I mean, maybe it's like the woman who had the issue of blood in the New Testament, and the Bible says that she had this issue for 12 years, and she had spent all her resources trying to find doctors to help her out, and she found that it was insufficient help. But this morning, I want to remind you or introduce to you that Jesus is our sufficient help. He's sufficient and it's help for us. And I think that John may be trying to awaken that in us. See, John, this writer here, we would call him, he's the apostle of love. Some would call him the, uh, the uh, evangelist of love. And, you know, whenever I read John, I, I, I'm reminded that this guy, he walks in this truth. And this truth is that God loves him. Wretched, jacked-up John, God loves him. 
See, sometimes we think that it's about our love for God. But it's not about your love for God. It's about God's love for you. See, because God loves us, he has a deep desire to not only have relationship with us, but fellowship with us. See, uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a marriage relationship, you, you can be married and have relationship, but have jacked up fellowship. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And so God doesn't want just to have a relationship with you. He wants fellowship with you. And so John is right, and he says, listen, that which is from the beginning, he's talking about that Christ, uh, who the, the creator, Christ, want, desires that you would have fellowship with him. He says, listen, I'm saying this so that you have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Because God desires, because he loves you so much, he's not, he, he, he's not just excited about having a relationship with you. He wants to have fellowship with you. In fact, the, the, the major uh, issues in, in my relationship with my wife is when I don't fellowship with her well. It's quiet. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I'm just, just talking about me. So, you know, sometimes, you know, we, well, we're, we got a relationship. We've been married 20 years, and we have a, I'm a husband, she's wife. There's a relationship, but sometimes there's not a whole lot of fellowship. We're, we're having conversation and partnership. Maybe I should move on because y'all looking at me strange like, why y'all with my business? But God wants, God wants fellowship. Because in this fellowship, love unfolds. Love blossoms. It's John's understanding of Jesus' love toward him that transforms him. And so in the context of fellowship, you get this greater understanding of what this love relationship is. And see, truth frees, but love transforms. God wants us to respond to his love. And, and John is trying to deal with some, some issues that, that we face and some barriers that we face. And that's why he starts off, he says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess, to confess something really means just to say the same thing that God says about it. So in other words, you know, we live in, in, a, uh, in, a, in a shifting culture where we don't want to call sin, sin. We don't want to say what God says about sin and say, well, that's sin. But when we confess our sins, when we say the same thing that God says about it, then the Bible says we do that one thing, God will do two things. Right? What will he do? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, every last one of us has a problem. 
Every last one of us has a sin problem. Or we have an offense problem. And the, and the problem with offenses, I love what uh, David R. Anderson says. He says, known offenses are barriers to human fellowship and divine fellowship. So you're in a marriage relationship and, you know, uh, you step on your wife's toes and you don't say you're sorry for it. Anybody ever been in a situation with a relationship where you offended someone uh, or you missed a mark with them and you don't get that thing right and so it makes fellowship difficult? You don't quite want to, you know, you don't, <laughs> you don't know if you should jump in or jump out. You, you're trying to sense the attitude. And... Am I the only one that <laughs> has ever dealt with that or something? But when we have these known offenses, they are barriers to the fellowship. And listen, God has a deep desire not to have just relationship with you, but he wants to have fellowship with you. And so if we don't get our offenses and, and confess our sins, then it creates barriers in our relationship. One man uh, 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 says it like this. Either this book will keep us from sin or sin will keep us from this book. That we need to deal with our problem. And our problem is a sin problem. Paul would say, oh, this oh, wretched man that I am, this, this body of death. You know, uh, Isaiah would say, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Isaiah would say, all us are like sheep that have strayed. And Paul said, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. That we all have a tendency to miss it. John knows this truth because John uh, had an anger problem. John was arrogant and egotistical. And so he had a tendency, just like you and I, to wander and to sin. Yet in the midst of all that, he saw that there was a God who still loved them. And he says, listen, I don't want any barriers between my fellowship, between me and the Father. And so I need to confess my sins. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? See, sometimes we think that our greatest challenge is outward, but the truth is, is our greatest challenge is inward. Some of us believe that, you know, it's our greatest issue is the enemy or the devil, but I think T.D. Jake said it's like, like this, it's not the enemy, it's the enemy in a me. The enemy in a me, this, this body of death. So we all, we all have a sin problem. And it gets in the way, it's a barrier to fellowship. But there's a solution. There is a blood solution. Amen. I'm, so, I'm really excited about the blood, y'all. I don't know about you. But I get excited about the blood, and I want you to know that the blood has always been the solution. 
Remember in the garden when uh, uh, it's Genesis chapter number three, where uh, Adam and Eve sin, and you know God a- after they sin they. De- you know, they decided to cover themselves. They hid themselves. They took some fig leaves and they sewn to cover themselves. And that's, that's verse number seven. And then God gets in their business and says, hey, where are you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then what God does is the Bible says that God took some skins. In verse 21, he made some skins and he covered them. Because what happens is we have a tendency to try to cover our own selves. But that's not a blood solution. You know, in modern days, it's self-help. It's, I, need to, I need to figure out a way so I can hide my weaknesses. I can, need to figure out a way to how I can, you know. And we try to, to hide. But even in Genesis, the solution to our sin problem was blood. God took some skin. See, in other words, he had to kill an animal. Without the shedding of blood, there was no remission of sin. Then, in Exodus chapter uh, number 12, and after a litany of, of plagues, nine, uh, nine and then ten plagues, listen, uh, God wanted to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt from the hand of the Pharaoh, and Pharaoh is a type of the devil. Now, notice this, that there were nine plagues, and they were miracles, and they were signs and wonders that God performed for the children of Israel, and not one of them got them delivered. Not one of these miracles got the people of God delivered out of their mess until on the 10th, it was blood. Because blood is God's solution. It always has been and always will be. Blood, the blood of G, or the blood has always been the solution. Now, the challenge is, is uh, that there's the blood of animals and then there's the blood of Christ. And they're two distinct things. Let's keep it moving because I, I want to get to a place. Back to chapter he says my little children I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin but if anyone does sin we have an advocate with the father Jesus Christ the righteous see we have a sin problem God has a blood solution, and the blood solution is our, what we would call the advocate. Christ is our advocate. He says, if anyone does sin, listen, if you, you know, because you know you're prone to sin. He says, I I don't want you to sin. I mean, when you get saved, you're not going to be sinless, but you should sin less. And in fact, if you do sin, listen, you have an advocate with the Father. uh, And see, the word advocate is the Greek word uh, paraclete. Does that sound familiar to anybody? He's a paraclete. Now, uh, a, a paraclete means one who w- walks alongside you, or you're one who is an aide. In fact, it's a legal term. 
one who is your defender, who will plead your case. And Jesus is our advocate. In other words, he pleads our case before the Father. I think it's a beautiful thing because when I think paraclete, I, wasn't, I didn't always think Christ. I would always think the Holy Spirit. And God had to remind me and he had to show me that, listen, that we have an advocate in two places. We have an advocate in the heavens where Christ's blood is spilled on the mercy seat, pleading our case so that when God sees us, he doesn't see us, he sees the blood of Jesus. But not only do we have an advocate in heaven with the blood of Jesus, but we have an advocate in the earth who's the Holy Spirit, who is our helper. How many, anybody, anybody need help? In fact, it's amazing to me when I think about it is that even Jesus says, listen, listen, if I don't go to the Father, I can't send the comforter. So if I don't advocate in heaven, you don't get avocation in the earth. That is real good news to me. Because I'm going to tell y'all something. This brother needs help. And so I am so glad that I have an advocate in the heavenlies. Hmm. Let's keep reading. He says, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Remember, I said, there's a difference between the blood of goats and the blood of Jesus. In the book of Hebrews, you go maybe from chapter 7 up to chapter, uh, chapter 10, it would, be, it would talk to you about sacrifices in the, in the Old Covenant. And in the Old Covenant, uh, uh, the priest would have to ritualistically uh, uh, you know, kill a, a, a lamb or kill a goat, and they would have to do it day after day and year after year, and it never was sufficient. But Jesus Christ, the righteous, <laughs> when we put our faith and trust in him, righteousness is imputed toward us, and now we become righteous. What, see, this is a crazy idea. Because in the Old Testament, unclean things made clean things unclean. In the Old Covenant, if you had leprosy, uh, 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 someone had leprosy, and you, got, and you touched them, now you became unclean. In the Old Covenant, if you're well, I won't talk about that one. <laughs> <In> the, <laughs> thank God. In the old covenant, if you touched a dead body, you became unclean. But in the New Testament, his righteousness makes our unrighteousness righteous. His cleanness makes our uncleanness clean. Jesus, the righteous, he is a sufficient help. Sufficient. 
Sufficient for what? Whatever you need help with. If you have a drug addiction, guess what? He's a sufficient help. If you have an infirmity in your body, guess what? He's a sufficient help. If you have a sin problem, yes you do, then you have sufficient help. He's Jesus, the righteous. And his righteousness is imputed on us when we put our faith and trust in him. And now we become righteous. But not only is he the advocate, but he's a propitiator. See, advocate, we can say he's help. He's our aid. Verse 3, um, verse 2. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Propitiation means that he satisfies the requirement. The requirement for our sin. Paul will write in Romans chapter 5, I believe, he says the wages of, the wages of sin is death. So there has to be a payment. We have to satisfy the payment. And the only payment that satisfies is the blood of Jesus. I'm sorry. You can't do it. I know you think that you can make you better. Isaiah says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. Now, this may disgust you, but it's the truth of the scriptures. When it says that your righteousness is as filthy rags, it's talking about a menstrual cloth. And remember, in the Old Covenant, when you're in a menstrual cycle, you are deemed unclean. So God says, your, your best self is a menstrual cloth. Your best self is unclean. So even when you, you shine it up, you buff it, you dress it up, even at your best, God says, unclean. So there has to be. We've we got to satisfy the requirement. And the, and the wages of sin is death. And so in, in order for it to happen, somebody has to die. Some blood has to be shed. Because the, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. If, if, if Christ didn't die and if his blood wasn't shed, then you're stealing your sin. So he is, uh, he is the propitiator. He is the satisfaction. That's why we can say he is sufficient or satisfying help. He is our sufficient. 
sufficient help. Why is he sufficient help? He is sufficient help because God desires that you have fellowship. God's not, I mean, listen, you can get saved and go to heaven and still not have any fellowship with God. I'm talking about on a daily basis. God wants to commune with you. He wants to, he wants to spend time with you. But we've got to deal with the barrier that keeps us from entering to that fellowship. And so the first barrier is the barrier, the barrier of sin that, we, that when, when we uh, repent and we confess Christ, then we have, we're brought in. But then there are other barriers. Some of you know that when, uh, you, when I first got, well, before we dated, and when we dated, you know, I did some stupid stuff. Uh, and then we got married and we had a relationship, but then I kept doing some stupid stuff. Well, maybe that's just me. I'm the only husband that's ever done stupid stuff. <laughs> that is not right, Stacey. <laughs> some of the wives were thinking it. Some of them said it. <laughs> But to get right the stupid stuff, there has to be confession. In other words, we keep short accounts. And so we need to keep short accounts with God so that there doesn't create any distance because sin creates distance. And so we confess our sins. And then he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. The thing is, is God just doesn't want us to have good fellowship here. He wants us to have good fellowship here. He's not satisfied with just vertical fellowship. He wants horizontal fellowship. And how many know that sin is still the bugger there too? Sin is still the barrier, offenses are still the barrier to horizontal relationship. It's, it's really why we think in terms of communion. God does this for fellowship and he, he does this for communion. I want you to, to grab your Bibles, and I want you to turn a place, and we're going to get ready to take communion right now. And I want to take you to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 11, verse 27. Because remember, John writes, I'm writing this because I want you to join in this fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. 
And I'm writing this because I want one translation would say, well, one manuscript would your joy to be complete. Another would say our complete, that God wants all of our joy to be complete when we fellowship. So here's Paul writing chapter 11, verse 23 up to 27 or 28. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Verse 28. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. And Paul goes on to say that's why some of you are ill and, and, and some of you are sick because we have not learned how to discern the body. And they call this, this is the communion table. Now we get the word communion in and it's the word koinonia and the word fellowship and it's the word koinonia. They're the same word. And that word could be translated partnership. And so when we come to the communion table, it's to partner. It's to contribute to one another. But there are moments that we don't discern the body correctly because sometimes we are looking at the heavenly body but not the body around us. The people that we are supposed to be in fellowship or Christianese doing life with. Right, Doug? And we have these offenses and we have these barriers. And Paul said, listen, get that stuff right. Examine yourself. If you have an issue with a, a spouse, get that right. Discern the body. Do you have an, an issue with a, a fellow congregant? Discern the body. Because God wants fellowship here and fellowship there, and he doesn't want any barriers. So that when we come together, we can enjoy each other. Did not Jesus say, when you come to worship and you know you, your brother has an offense against you, he said, put your gift down and go get it right with your brother. And in other places, if you come to worship and it's not that your brother has an offense against you, but you have an offense against your brother, go get that thing right. Why? Because God wants fellowship. And when there's barriers in our fellowship here, then there's barriers with our fellowship here. So as we get ready to take communion, I want you to just take a moment and examine yourself. Ron, you can just play softly.